Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. There's nothing we can do to deserve what He has done for us. The Bible says that one died for all, that all may live for Him. Man, He is so good. He is so faithful. How many people have loved His presence already this evening? The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 3 that seasons of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like the presence of God. As a matter of fact, if you're a child of God, once you encounter the presence of your Father, you're never the same. Once you encounter the real presence of God, like Paul, the first time he encountered the real presence of Jesus, the Bible in Philippians chapter 3 says he was apprehended by the Lord. And the word apprehended means to seize or to take possession. Well, when I've come into the presence of God, he, I am his possession in that moment. And the Bible says to love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, mind, and soul. I just saw everybody in this room doing that. You want to talk about unity? You want to talk about making the Father smile? It's when His sons and daughters are on one accord. Amen? Amen. See, that's what He wants for the body of Christ. Is, you know, we are many parts, but we're one body. And we belong to Christ. Amen? Amen. He's the head. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Every single child of God has a place in Christ. The Bible declares in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. Every part of you is in Christ Jesus. Every part of your neighbor that is a child of God is in Christ Jesus. And by the way, we serve a mighty big God. Amen? The Bible declares in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, it says that when at the dedication of Solomon's temple, see, this is my prayer tonight. It says that when the glory of the Lord filled the temple, the train of his robe filled the temple until the priest couldn't even continue to stand to minister because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. That is my prayer tonight for us in this place. That His glory would come so deep, so thick, so full that we can't even stand but fall on our face before Him. See, I don't want just a little bit of God. He's ruined me, man. Normal don't work anymore. He has ruined me forever. And He is continually trying to shove me out of my boat. Remember that Bible story in Matthew when Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee about three in the morning and all the disciples are together and Peter stands up in there and looks like, oh my goodness. And they're like, man, is that a ghost? And it's like, no. He said, hey, peace, don't worry, man, it's me. And Peter's like, hey, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come. And he's like, hey, come. And he steps out. God wants us all to do that. But when you look at the story, out of all the disciples, that walked with Jesus day and night, night and day. He was the only one that passionately pursued Christ in that moment. So much so that when he stepped out, he stepped out into something new that he had never seen before, never witnessed, never experienced. Now imagine walking with Jesus. Think about this. This is real and legit. Walking with Jesus every single day and wherever he goes, lives just get wrecked by his love. They just get hammered. 
Like they're never the same. Every single day, like Peter never saw Jesus fail. Yet he was the only one out of all the other disciples. None of the other disciples ever saw him fail either. But he was the only one that was passionate enough to say, if that's you, I'll go where you are, where I haven't been. And that's what he's asking the sons and daughters of God in the last days to do. If that's you, Lord, bid me to come and we will come. Take us where we've never been in you. But only in you. Where you are, I want to be. Amen. 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 We're going to jump straight into scripture tonight. If you have your Bibles, open up the book to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to deal with Isaiah chapter 6, probably Matthew chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 4 tonight. When Pastor Herman and myself heard from the Lord several months ago about doing this, our first initial heartbeat was now. Sometimes when you hear from the Lord, it's hard to wait upon the Lord. Anybody ever jumped out before God before? How'd that work out for you? <laughs> it hurts sometimes, doesn't it? It hurts sometimes. And quickly you remember, oh yeah, I should have waited on the Lord. I heard from the Lord, but he didn't say go. I got so excited about his plan, that I just went ahead anyways. God, I need some grace in this moment. I done messed up. We've all been there. We've all been there. King David was there. Peter was there. You've been there. I've been there. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. It ain't the first time a son or child of God has done it. It ain't the last. We got this thing called flesh we deal with, don't we? Mm, that's why it's got to be crucified, amen? Yeah, Paul said, I died daily, amen? Paul understood. Paul understood. As a matter of fact, we were talking about Paul last night. We opened up the book to Philippians chapter 3, and we were talking about the concept of love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. How many people just love God with everything that He has given you? All your heart, your mind, and your soul. The reason we're here tonight is to go even further in that. I don't want to hold back, man. I want to keep going. See, the concept of this is to pursue Him with passion. The word pursue actually translates to follow. Well, in the Greek, follow means to cling or to cleave, to investigate fully. Lord, tonight, let us investigate fully your son, Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you so much. Father, we thank you, God. We ask God tonight, God, that you would till our hearts, God, till our minds, God. God, that the word that goes forth be from your mouth and from your heart, God. God, that we would be good soil, that, that when your seed is planted, you would seal it up by the precious promise of the Holy Ghost, Father. And God, that when the anointing plants that seed, that the enemy cannot sift it, Father. God, tonight we're asking for life change tonight, God. We're asking for life changing encounters with the great I am. Father, we are asking for moments with you even more, Father. We're asking for divine word, divine utterances, God. We're asking for the anointing that destroys the yoke tonight, Father. We're asking for even more unity in the Spirit, Father. Father, that we would just keep our eyes on you. So, Father, I ask that you empty me and fill me all at the same time and that your word come forth. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, as Paul was talking, as Paul, as we were talking about Paul yesterday in Philippians chapter 3, he said, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings. 
And he said, every single thing else in my life I count as a loss. When I put it up to the concept of knowing Christ. See, Paul was an individual that burned after the Lord. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul, a man on fire because he had an encounter with the living God. See, I still believe in encounters with the living God. Amen. Amen. See, the reason you and I were created in his image was so we could have encounters with him every single day. As a matter of fact, in the garden, after the Lord breathed the breath of life into Adam, that was the place where he and Adam met daily. See, there's something about communion with the Lord that he just loves. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, 9, first sentence, for the eyes of the Lord, they roam throughout the entire earth looking for moments to show up and show his strength to those whose hearts are fully his. And when he finds someone, thank you, Holy Ghost, he's looking for someone. He's looking for a people whose hearts are solely devoted to him, sold out from the inside out, and they are worshipers at the very core. That is what they do, is they worship. They burn in their worship, and they are not normal to this earth. They don't look normal when they worship, but I promise you, when you are dealing with something and you know one of them, you want them to pray for you because they know how to get in touch with God. The Bible says, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. And when God finds a soul like that on this planet, his eyes become fixated on that individual. So much to the point that when he comes up into their lives, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is so in love with you, beloved. He is so in love with you. Why do you think Jesus' first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, began with, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. I just want to declare tonight, Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Turn to your neighbor and say, blessed are you. Amen. Hallelujah. Mm. See, thank you, Holy Ghost. We're going to get to Isaiah in a minute. Mm. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. When we tell one another, blessed are you. Iron sharpens iron as one man doeth another. Jesus said in John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And this is my command that you love one another as I have loved you. And when you pour into somebody and you tell them, blessed are you. You are doing more than you realize in that person's life. Because they are hearing a blessing from their father. And I really believe that every single day, day in and day out, our father is saying, blessed are you in Christ Jesus. See, I had a message tonight. But when the glory was falling on this stage, God started to preach with his presence. And I'm going to tell you something. God is the best preacher of all time. Amen. God is the best preacher. How many people know about that secret place? 
Does He ever preach to you in that secret place? Does He ever meet you there and talk to you? Of course He does. The Bible says He's the one that's already there waiting on you to come in and shut the door. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Because see, what this whole, all these past three days, this entire journey has been about intimacy with the Lord. If you want to chase something in life, chase Jesus. For so many years of my life, I chased my dreams, my passions. And I thought I wanted to do that for him. Until I became arrested one night on the beaches of Tybee Island by the presence of God. And when the Lord revealed himself to me the way that he did, my life was his for eternity. And I knew that he was real. And I knew that because he did what he did, I had no choice but to continue pursuing him. See, I'm talking about an encounter that changes you from the very moment it starts. An encounter with glory. The kind of encounter that's in our dreams sometimes. The kind of encounter that stays with you for the rest of your life. That spills over into the way you sleep, the way you speak, the way you eat, the way you sing, the way you read the Bible, the way you talk to people. The way the enemy looks at you. Because you're different because of him. I really believe that every single child of God is born for moments like that. And I will preach that because there was a man named Jesus that walked this planet for three and a half years. And those people in Galilee, in Jerusalem, and even in Samaria had encounters with Jesus, the son of the living God. question is how hungry are you to pursue and not give up how hungry are you to believe when everything in your life says give up he's not listening can you keep going when everything in your life says stop there's people in here that have Face those moments. But you're still here. You're still here. You didn't give up. You pressed on. And that's what Paul was talking about last night when he said, I press forward. I forget everything behind me so I can press forward and reach forward towards the prize in Christ Jesus. And he did it with every part of his entire body, his whole heart, his whole mind, his whole soul. He didn't leave any stone unturned within himself. He said, all of me, God, will die to you every single day. That it's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives within me. My very first Bible study that I ever had after I accepted my call to ministry when I was 30 years old was with a very prominent preacher who came into my store one day. He's on TV and all that stuff. And I asked one of the guys that came in with him, I said, hey, is that who I think it is? And he said, yeah, that's who it is. Now, you got to remember, I was filled with excitement because I just accepted my call to ministry the night before in the month of September when I was 30 years old. Now, I knew I had been called for a very long time. But that very faithful morning at 10 a.m., our doors opened up. And at 10.05, this man walked in with a couple other people. And I went to him and I said, hey, my name is Matt. I'm the manager of the store. Thank you for coming in. I said, can I just tell you something? Because, see, when you see giants in the kingdom of God, man, I get excited. Because I'm like, hey, how can I rub elbows with you? How can what you have done with the Lord and what the Lord's done in you, how can I learn from this? Because, see, that's what it's about. That's what discipleship is. And I just said, hey, 
I know you're hungry for him. I've got a thousand questions. But man, I'm just excited about what he's doing in my life. Can I just tell you that I accepted my call to ministry last night? That guy threw a party right there in the middle of GNC in Peachtree City. He threw a one-man party. He was more excited about me being called to the ministry than I was. My eyes got this big. I'm sitting here going, uh-oh, he starts doing this. He starts doing this. He starts doing this. Me over there backing up. And he looks over at one of the guys that came with me. He says, did you hear what he just said? Did you hear this young man? He just accepted his call to ministry. And then they both started dancing. With more joy than I've seen in that store in a while. And I'm just sitting there going, Lord, what are you doing? Because see, sometimes when God starts to move, we're like, hey, I got to control what's going on here. I really got to control my thoughts. Because I don't want to get outside my box. But this peace came over me. And this joy just started to fill me. And he said, sir, do you have your Bible? I said, yeah, I was reading it in the back on my, on my desk. He said, go get your Bible. Go get your Bible. All right. So here I am, man, with a giant saying, go get your Bible. We're fixing to have a Bible study in the middle of the store. I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing? So I go get my Bible and I come back out. And he goes, let's go to the cash area where there's a, where there's a table. I said, okay. So he gets on one side of the cash register and I get on the other. And he opens up the Bible. And for the next 45 minutes, this man invests in my life. And he teaches me the difference between the Holy Spirit living inside of you versus the Holy Spirit coming upon you. That was my very first Bible study after I received my call into ministry. Blew my mind. And the number one thing that he kept going over and over and over and over and over was it's about faith and it revolves around intimacy. And it's about faith and it revolves around intimacy with the Lord. Our whole existence revolves around intimacy with the Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we're created in His image as image bearers to carry His glory as sons and daughters filled with the Holy Spirit is to have intimacy with the Lord. And intimacy with the Lord can look a thousand different ways. For Peter, in that night when he got out of the boat, it was just getting out of what he's always been in. Sometimes in ministry, we got to step out because all we've known is what's behind us because God has new things for us. How are you going to see the dead raised if you don't ever be around dead people sometimes at funerals? Literally, I saw a dead man raised in the middle of a church one time. I did. Flip me out. But I knew it was God. I knew it was God. I can't believe the first time I got slain in the Holy Ghost. I ain't never seen that before. But the first time it happened to me, I felt better than I ever had before. All of a sudden, this man comes up and he hits my, he hits my head with his hand. He goes, fire. Next thing I know, I'm waking up. What just happened to me? I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And when I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, let me tell you what happened. I felt it lightning from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet all the way back up. And when it came out my mouth, I just collapsed. Into the pastor's arms and he caught me and it felt like I was laying in a pillow. I was messed up for the rest of the night. And my cousin came to me on the way home. He goes, do you know what happened to you? I said, I have no idea. 
but it felt good. <laughs> Sign me up for round two. I'll take another. Just like the young prophet went to his mentor. And his mentor said, what can I do for you? And he said, I want a double portion. That's how I believe every single son and daughter in the body of Christ is supposed to live every single day. Lord, I want a double portion of you. I want to pursue you the way you pursue me. I want to pursue you because I know you're a good, good father. I want to pursue you just to be with you. That scripture in Acts, it says seasons of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. Like, I want you to take a look. That word seasons, that's multiple. His presence is that strong. His presence is that good. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost just told me it goes backwards too. It's not just the seasons in front of you because it repairs the things behind you. It allows you to propel you forward. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I appreciate that one. That right there is good. I'll take that. I can run with that. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right. We're going to dive into scripture real quick. Mm. I will take that. How many people have heard of the prophet Isaiah? That man knew God, didn't he? When that man spoke, man, that man spoke from the throne room. How many people like the throne room? We're fixing to talk about that and go there in just a few minutes. The Lord told me something about the altar call. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. You do not want to leave. You do not want to leave. God's going to do something special tonight. The first two nights have been a build-up. How many people remember what happened on day three? Amen. Amen. The Bible declares in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now let's stop right there. Done. Done. Like mic drop. Pen would just drop right now. If I'm a scribe writing this right here, like, like I'm done. I saw the Lord game over. Like, let's think about that just for a second. Now I'm serious. Like I know we're having a good time, but let, 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 mm. let's focus on this, that part right there. I saw the Lord. Imagine what else he's seen in life. Living in Israel. As a prophet. And Israel's acting up like they always did. As a matter of fact, one of the statements that he says in just a minute, when he sees the Lord, his first word is, woe is me. Woe is me. Because he came to, to reality with the, the, the frailty of his flesh. And the sovereignty and the word holy is before him. In the image of our creator on his throne. His life will never be the same. I saw the Lord. Like, do you understand whoever's going to read this from this moment forward, my life changed. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year that the leader of Israel died, God appeared. In the year our government did not know what to do, God on the throne knew what to do and showed himself. And he got my full attention. I saw the Lord seated on a high 
and lofty throne. I don't even know how you keep writing. Honestly. Like without just weeping and travailing before the Lord. Like, Lord, we'll get this, but Lord, I'm having an encounter with you right now. Just writing you. Writing what I saw about you. You are that special. You are that holy. Everybody just say, holy. Holy. Yeah. There's none like him. And his robe filled the temple. Where do you go from that? Like, think about that for a second. Like, honestly, if I'm Isaiah and I'm seeing that, I'm just sitting down. And my mind is blown wide open and I'm just going, okay, now I'm about to get on my face and I'm fixing to worship you. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this. This has never happened in my life before and I don't know when it's going to happen again. Let's take advantage of this moment. The word of the Lord for this church on day one, Sunday night, was don't rush this. I know that for a fact. I know 100%. And I even went to Pastor Herman and I said, the Lord says, don't rush this. Sometimes we rush God. We go to a church. We're like, I give you an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And then I've got the rest of my day filled up with activities that I got to go do. God's like, you want me to help you with all that baggage? Help you with your marriage? Help you with your kids? Help you with your finances? Help you with your stuff that's in your closet? You want me to do a circus act in 45 minutes. And you're telling me that your activities after meeting with me is more important than staying with me? How long do you think they meet in Israel? Let's get real tonight. How long do you think, man, that they worshipped when they came out of Babylon with Ezra and Nehemiah? How long do you think those kids behaved while Ezra, the scribe, was reading Scripture? Here's the reason why. It's because every eye was focused on him. Every heart was focused on him. Every mind was focused on him. You feel him now. Can you imagine what a body of Christ can do if everybody's united in the spirit on one accord, with one heart, one mind, one spirit, I really believe City Hall would be changed in a day. I believe the school system would be a place of revival. Jesus said, suffer not these little ones. You know why a child in the kingdom of God is so dangerous to the enemy? Because, man, they just believe. They have childlike faith, man. They just believe. Like these disciples... Like, man, when the Holy Ghost came, they just believed. That's why it says, man, that great signs and miracles were happening at the hands of the apostles. It says the fear of the Lord was upon all of them. They were united in the presence of God. And they just said, God, whatever your heart's beating about, God, we want to be about. That's why, man, they prayed for boldness to take the gospel where they were told not to take the gospel. Because they had a fresh revelation, just like Isaiah, of the Lord. They had a fresh revelation of Christ. 
They just walked with him for three and a half years. They just saw an empty tomb. They just stood there stupefied watching him ascend into heaven. And then two guys come in dazzling white clothes and they say, <clears throat> hey, uh, the same way you see him leaving is the same way you'll see him coming. Go to Jerusalem. Do what he said. Like, do you know who that guy really was? Like, we need a fresh revelation of the Lord. And that's what Isaiah is dealing with here. It's a fresh revelation of the Lord. When he saw, I saw the Lord seated high and lofty on the throne. Now watch this. Remember that key word we talked about earlier, holy? Here it comes. We can get into verse 2 now. Seraphim were standing above him. Guys, Isaiah has entered into the throne room by the Spirit. You cannot access God where he's at like that by any other means other than the Spirit of God. Watch this. They were standing above him. Each one had six wings. And with two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's their job, to lead worship in the heavens. By the way, the word seraphim refers to burning ones. They burn with an eternal flame that, is, that belongs to him, and they worship with it. The word holy is an adjective that describes God. In the Hebrew context now this is important this is very important when you see repetition in scripture of the same word into another word it is an intensifier of the original word only two places in scripture do we see a triple intensifier holy 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 we see it here by the seraphim or the burning ones that lead worship in the heavens in Isaiah chapter 6. And we see it again in Revelations 4 by the same seraphim, by the burning ones, when they're around the throne and they're singing the same song. Holy, holy, holy. And see, here's the thing. Here's what blows my mind. The God we worship that is seated on his throne, high and lofty, and the train of his robe fills the temple. Watch this. Even the seraphim don't have a word in the language of heaven that justifies the holiness of our God. He is that holy. It never stops. And as the Bible declares in Revelations chapter 4, they don't stop singing holy night and day, day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Can we just say that as his sons and daughters? Here we go. Here we go. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 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 Holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Amen. Lord, we give you praise tonight. Lord, we honor your name. The name that's above every name. You are worthy. You think that got his attention? What was the last time you saw that in church? Where the whole church was just telling him how he is. Lord, you are holy. The word holy means to be set apart, consecrated, separated. And these burning ones, men in the heavens, they are saying, you are far above everything else that you have ever created. The Bible says that he breathes stars out of his mouth and he calls them by name. And these burning ones are saying, you are far above anything you have ever created. You are set apart by this word, holy, that never stops. And Lord, we thank you tonight that your holiness that was in your son pleased you. That your fullness that was in your son, that when you, when the ministry of the Spirit led your son to Calvary for our sake, when he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because of your holiness, we now have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing else can make that happen. Amen. These seraphim in Revelations 4, when they sing the word holy, 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 and the elders respond by falling face down and laying their crowns back to the one that gave them the crowns. The crown stands for achievement, recognized by God. Everything they have been lavished with, they lay again at his feet. Every time they hear that song, holy, holy, holy. They are not afraid to depart with it, but they long to lay it down. What would happen if the body of Christ did the same thing? Everything you've blessed me with, Lord, I just lay it down at your feet. This is my pursuit of you. Lord, you blessed me with it. You have it. It's yours. The Bible says in the book of Acts that when something like that took place, Nobody was with need. Every person in the body of Christ had what they needed because nobody counted it, it to themselves. Do you know that when Jesus was on Calvary. The same thought was in his heart for me and for you. The night of the betrayal, he said, not my will, but your will be done. What an act of love 
What an act of passion for us who weren't even born yet. That 2,000 years ago when he was on Calvary, man, he knew you intimately before he formed you in the womb. He knew your strengths. He knew your weaknesses. He knew where you would mess up at, but he also knew where he was going to atone for you at. Calvary. See, when the Lord shows up on the throne, high and lifted up, Every single thing in this picture is a picture of a revelation of the Lord, of Jesus. Everything here points towards Christ. Exalted high. The train of his robe filling the temple as a foreshadowing of being filled in this temple. See, it was just the train of the robe. It wasn't the whole robe. It was just the train of his robe that filled the temple. Your God is that big. He's got that much glory. And the life of Christ restored that to me and to you. His death, his burial, and his resurrection restored your image faithfully and perfectly back to its original design as a legitimate image bearer of the glory of God. Why? So he could be near you. 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 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life so he could be near you. He loves you like that. And that's why the reciprocating process in his kingdom is to love him with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And I believe the Lord has a work for this church in this community this year and moving forward. And it starts with a refreshing view of the Lord tonight. How many people need a refreshing in their life? This moment when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. That was new to him. It refreshed him. It broke him. Guys, moments like this is not nice and pretty. Moments like this can get ugly. When he holds your heart in his hand and you feel his love, it will break you. Your eyes will become water faucets. Your nose, it's going to run. Mascara, yeah, it's falling. That tongue is going to be talking a different kind of language. Okay? And when we enter into our secret place, as the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, thank you, Holy Ghost. 
The Bible says that when you enter that secret place, shut your door so you can get real. So it can get ugly with just you and your father. And you can tell him what's going on in your life and you can just be quiet and rest and listen to him and wait for him to speak. Don't rush this. Don't rush the time in your prayer life. You're only here once. Don't rush the greatest opportunity in your life to be near God. To just sit before Him. I often wonder what revelations have I missed because I was impatient and couldn't wait? Like we're dealing with a legitimate, holy God who does not have to come at your beck and call. Let's deal with that for a second. Now he's faithful. Don't get me wrong. But remember when he called Moses up to the mount to the mountain for six days, Moses stood there in the dark. And it wasn't until the seventh day that he heard a voice from the thick darkness. Say Moses. Moses. Being a man who knew God face to face. had to wait on God. We can learn something from that. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you. He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.